You're listening to the Dynamic Faith Podcast with Sammy Lopez and John Groves. It's a show all about life, leadership, and the pursuit of holiness. For the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about something that everybody needs to pause and consider, but especially our friends in ministry, the topic of rest. As we share some of our personal struggles, we hope that it helps you to discover some personal victory. We'll be talking about how God introduced us and wrecked us and challenged us with the need for sabbatical and Sabbath. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to Dynamic Faith, the Dynamic Faith podcast with Pastor Reverend Bishop Sammy Lopez. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Uh, I'm your co-host, John Groves. Oh, After a, a one-year <laughs> hiatus from one year, man. posting to our podcast, a lot's happened in the last year. Yes. You know, when we started this podcast, um, I was getting ready to propose to Olivia. That's right. I hadn't even That's proposed. Right. So it's been even longer than a year. It's been a minute since we've hung out with our Dynamic Faith friends. That's right. Because no longer we're no longer just partners in ministry. It's my son-in-law now. Man. Come on. So that's been pretty cool. So yeah, one year has changed a whole lot. Yes. From the pandemic to your marriage and now... To the baby that's coming, to the bro. baby, let's go. And, uh, and, and the now to where we are now. So exciting things happening. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all we're just excited to get to hang out with you here on the <clears throat> podcast and to talk about life and leadership yeah. and the pursuit of holiness. Yes. And today kind of intersects all three of those mm. because what really got us going, okay, we got to get back to the podcast is really the last few weeks of the ministry that we get to do together, Mm -hmm. you had to bear a burden as a lead pastor that I've been in your shoes before. I was grateful to not be in your shoes during the last few weeks (laughs) because I kind of got to go, man, I'm praying for you. (laughs) I'm here to support you, but uh, you lead a congregation in San Antonio, Texas, and you planted a church previously in Houston. And so when you have pastored people and you've been a part of their lives, they never forget that. And so through the good, the bad, and most often the ugly, mm. that's when people really want you to uh, to show up in their life. They don't right. always want to share the good stuff, but man, they need you and they want you for the bad stuff. That's right. That's right. And so I just want to dive right in and talk with you about this and talk with you know, my friend who's a pastor, my friend who's in ministry, my friend who's pursuing this, who's listening to our conversation today, over the last few weeks, actually over the space of about 14 days, you had to do around seven funerals Yes, from San Antonio to Houston, traveling all over the place. And you were even requested to do others outside of Texas uh, because of the reach of your ministry. Mm -hmm. And so in the middle or toward the end or whatever of a pandemic that brought all kinds of questions for people uh, in the middle of people trying to figure out what's next and where do we go from here and all those different types of things. You're not just carrying the new year load of, you know, a new vision for the church and the new budget year and, you know, new things that are happening within our other ministries. But now you've got seven families who are going through a unique struggle to them. And while it may have been your fourth funeral to preach, it was their first funeral they were going to this year. So you had to bring the same amount of energy and the same amount of joy and the same amount of compassion every single time. So let me just ask a really frank question. How drained were you? Man, you know, let me tell you something, John. Seminary doesn't train you for this. Mm. 
And what I mean by that is they'll train you on how to do a funeral, how to do a wedding until it's your friends that die. Right. Or until it's your member of the church that um, made an impact in your life that passes on. Um, Not only does it drain you emotionally, it can drain you spiritually. Mm. And then you have to answer these deep questions and saying, God, what are you doing and why are you allowing so many in such a small window? Right. You're talking about seven in two and a half weeks, back to back to back. As a matter of fact, when I was in one of the funerals in Houston, um, preaching at my friend's funeral, Richard, um, who passed away, 15 minutes before I go on the stage, I get a message saying that my wife's best friend, one of her best friends, Karina, passed away. Mm. So taking the heavy burden of, I got to preach my friend Richard funeral, but knowing in the back of my mind, my wife knows that her friend just died. Right. Friend of mine as well. So the emotional pain is intense, but do that seven times. Right. And that was, that was difficult, bro. Well, I know <clears throat> that not every pastor is doing seven funerals back to back to back, but what it really got you and I talking about was the need for emotional strength. Yes. Because this last year, everybody talked about faith over fear and, you know, everybody had a word to say about, you know, your spiritual strength and your biblical stamina and all those things. And that's great. And that's all needed. But there's this area of emotional struggle that I'm seeing the church either dives way too deep into the wrong side of it, or they ignore it completely. Mm. There's the churches that are out there that are talking about everything as if it's an emotional thing and they're negating the fact that some emotional problems are spiritual problems. Yes, absolutely. But then there's also the churches that don't talk about emotional health at all. And there are people who are genuinely struggling with depression and anxiety and to name two of many things that have to tie in with your emotional health. And so as you're doing all these funerals, that was what I kept checking up on you with because it was a funeral every other day. Literally, yes. I'm going, how's your soul? You know, how, yes, because that. you're, you're a, you're a energetic guy. You know, you're, you're bouncing all the time and I get that, you know, on the Enneagram, you're probably a seven, you know, that <laughs> yeah. person that's like, um, can take anything and spin it into a good thing. And that's great until somebody dies, you know, and yes, they're in glory, you know, but like (laughs) you've got crying family members that aren't ready to hear that. And so I kept asking you, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And so I just witnessed in your life, I got to be on the front row of emotional strength and stamina that carried you through all of that. And you were investing in other pastors through this and in families through this. And so for dynamic faith, for my friend that's listening, for your friend that's listening, let's talk to them about emotional strength. And I think the best place to start is the fact that depletion of emotional energy is real. Yes, it is. And it's dangerous. It's real and it's dangerous. When did you first start to realize that this emotional facet of ministry was important and you started to really pay attention to it? You know, whenever... Look, ministry is emotional, period. For those that are listening, if you're ever in, if you're ministry now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're thinking about going into ministry, remember, you're going to, ministry can be emotional. Um, in my own personal life, whenever I um, 
knew that man my 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 emotions were depleting um you become more vulnerable in other things and, and that that can be very dangerous right hmm. you become vulnerable and you get you you get tired to the point where you stop you you can you can easily stop thinking about your spiritual life and you'll think more about your emotional life. Yep. You got to put them both together. Yes. Your spiritual life must be first on the totem pole. It's your spiritual life that's going to control your emotional life, not vice versa. If you f- focus more on your emotional life, you're going to forget your spiritual life. Put your spiritual life, seek you first the kingdom and all the righteousness and all these things will be added into you. So it has to be a spiritual focus. In my own personal life, I had to say, God, I can easily go down a wrong path. I've been depressed before. I know what it feels like to have high anxiety mm. and to be clinically depressed by the doctor, right? And, and put on uh, depression medication. But I, because of that, I know and I've learned what it means to focus on the spiritual. You focus on the spiritual and make sure that Christ is your center. Make sure that it's the Lord that's giving you his power. Then he emotionally will, t- will, will put you in, in balance. Right. Because <clears throat> our spirit life, the Holy Spirit inside of us, yes is there to control us, not just complement our personality. Absolutely. But our emotions were given to us by God, and they're there to complement, not to control. That's right. And it seems that, especially in the church world today, we get that cart before the horse. Yes. You know, we're letting our emotions roll downhill fast, and we're expecting the Holy Spirit just to keep up, you know, and to follow where our emotions lead us. And that's not how it's supposed to go. No. So we were talking about, these indicators, the, how do I know if my emotional energy is depleting or depleted? And there are some blinking red lights on the dashboard of your emotional control panel that let you know, uh, it's, it's a danger zone right here. Like the, the E is on the little gas symbol is showing up. And if you don't pull over and get some help right now, you're going to be stranded somewhere and it's not going to be pretty. That's right. So Depletion is real. It's dangerous. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not the energizer bunny. So what are some of those blinking red lights to let you know um, danger, Will Robinson, it's yeah, about to yeah. get real? No, that's good. Matter of fact, if you don't mind, I, yeah. we, we wrote some things down that I think are going to be very helpful. Yeah. I think for all of us uh, and those that are listening, look, it, danger zones is when you start losing sleep. Um. I by I don't know why I find myself sometimes just having bad sleep, and that can be anything. That can be because what I've ate, you know, what I ate that night, uh, or if I, you know, drink tea or coffee before I go to sleep, whatever it is. But when it's consistent, and you have a continual lack of sleep, that means that your brain is going a million nothing. That means your emotions are on high alert. Uh, a lack of sleep is an indicator that there's too much on you. Hmm. The Lord says to us in Scripture that, man, that God gives sleep and rest to those in whom he loves. I know he loves me, but I have not had sleep. I have slept, but I have not had rest. Yeah. And I think that's indicator number one, that you're, like, pastor, let me say something to you, or minister, let me say something to you. When you feel overwhelmed and you can't sleep, that's indicator number one, that your emotions are out of balance. Absolutely. Things are not good. Which is is going to spiral into this foggy brain, lack of clarity, lack of vision. And that is really easy for pastors and leaders in the ministry to excuse because we can wing it. Yes, yes, absolutely. So how is a, a lack of clarity, how is a fogginess dangerous 
to a child of God and specifically to a leader? Well, number one, if, if, if you're foggy, that means obviously if you're driving down the road and you're fogged, that means you can't see. And sometimes if not careful, there are some things that are right in front of us that we're just not seeing. Mm. It can be your family. It can be a relationship with your spouse. It can be a relationship with your children. It can be something so right in front of you that, that you miss it because you're so fogged. You're so blinded to it because our emotions have taken over. And, and again, John, like, like you mentioned, again, it's not, it's not that your emotions take over your spiritual. It's your spiritual taking over your emotions. Yep. Uh, and, and they, but they both come into balance. So when you have a foggy brain and you just can't think right, you can't think straight, man, that's dangerous. Because then, then you'll start thinking on your own initiative. What the Bible said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, on your own understanding, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. This, the op- a foggy brain, the opposite of Proverbs 3. Yes. Because we're not trusting the Lord with all our hearts. We're trusting ourselves. We're trusting our own, our own thought, our own emotion. And we're, and we're fighting this fight by ourselves. And that's when it becomes dangerous. And we don't even need to <clears throat> go into all the specifics of what a foggy brain looks like because you're listening and you know exactly what that looks like. Yes. You know exactly what that feels like um, to, to, be making, to, to be living decision to decision mm-hmm. like some people live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You, you don't have the next five years planned. You're not even sure you have the next five days planned. You're living, five hours planned, you're living yeah. in the next five hours. You're writing sermons last minute based on things that you have already preached. You're mm-hmm. making decisions from the seat of your pants because you just can't seem to plan for the future. And we're not guilting you. What we're learning and what we're learning together with you is this, that ministry fatigue will lead to ministerial failure if you don't do something about it. So if the fog warning light is on, now's not the time to be putting your foot to the gas. Now's the time to pull over and get some rest. Absolutely, man. And as a pastor, one of the greatest ways that I know that, man, I'm in a foggy brain is when you start sermon prep Friday night, Mm. Saturday morning. And, and we say this, well, I'm a pastor. God already knows. Holy Spirit's going to give it to me. And, and, and you're right. Right. But don't test the Lord. Don't test God and saying, God, you're going to give it to me. I've been so busy, Lord. I've been so busy doing ministry. But I, I, you know, I expect you on Sunday morning to give me a word. Um, we missed it. Yep. We missed what God wants us to do. Yeah. You mentioned one indicator of <clears throat> emotional energy depletion that when you said it, I can picture exactly what it feels like, but I didn't realize this was a indicator for emotional energy for me as a leader. I guess I just felt like it was part of the job. And that is being a firefighter that you're going, you're putting out fire after fire after Mm -hmm. fire. And that is what you're doing with most of your time in the ministry. Why is that? Because I guess I just always thought, man, where there's people, there's going to be stupidity. There's going to be fires, you know, and sometimes there's, you know, demonic people and they're arsonists, you know? (laughs) So like being a firefighter, that seems like it's just part of the job. And I guess to an extent it is, but how is firefighting on a consistent basis an indicator of emotional energy being low? Well, you know, being a firefighter, um, is a firefighter as we, as we know it, uh, to, 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 to put out all fires. Um, um, it's almost a sin, bro, to think, that we can place ourselves in the place of God to make us feel and believe we're the only ones that can do it. Hmm. 
The most dangerous place that we can be as pastors is a place to say, well, this is my calling. No, that's not your calling. The danger of trying to put fires out on anybody, on everybody, but I'm the only one that can do it because I went to Southwestern Theological Seminary and I got my Master of Divinity. Amen. And I got out and I got my, I got my, my degree on my wall. So ladies and gentlemen, step back because I'm a trained professional. Hmm. If anyone knows how to handle this, it's going to be me. Man, God, help us for even thinking that way. It reminds me of going to the circus. I know if you, I know you know if you've ever been to the circus. But Come on, Barnum and Bailey. Barnum and Bailey was my favorite. Got some cotton candy, an elephant ear. Thank you, snow Lord. cone, and, and and you pay fifteen dollars for the flashlight that broke the, the moment you get the right, car broke. exactly. And I remember um, there was a guy that would have these, I guess, these broomsticks up, and he would go to one broomstick, put a plate on it, and start spinning it. Then you go to the second broomstick, like five broomsticks with plates, and you spin, spin the plates. Go to the fifth broomstick, spin the plate, and as the plate in the fifth broomstick is going fast, he has to go back to the first one because the first one's wobbly. So mm. he had to redo it all the way to the fifth one, and he would continue doing back and forth. As the plates start getting wobbly, he would go back to spin it. That's exactly ministry of today. Everyone's going to wobble. Everyone's going to move, and we feel like we're the only ones that can turn the plate and to spin it. Man, the moment we start doing that and start putting out fires out of everyone's situation, bro, not only are you going to burn out, you'll probably quit altogether. Yeah. And it's interesting that you use that spinning the plates illustration from the putting out fires example, because there are only so many plates that you're actually responsible for. Like we don't have time to dig into the, the, job description of a pastor in the new Testament was to study and preach the word. And that's why they appointed deacons, right? We're going to get into that in the next section of the podcast, but there are only so many plates that you're responsible for. And one of them, one of your primary responsibilities mm. is your family. That's it. And if you want to know if there's a blinking red light of emotional energy depletion, I'm a preacher's kid. You're a preacher's kid. Let me ask you to do this. Go ask your wife and your kids. Because how likely is it that if your emotional energy is low, that the, the, uh, the aftershock of that or what, you know, the, the earthquake term, what sure. is the one I'm looking for? The, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, yeah. Uh, the, it's being felt in your family. Yeah. 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 Oh no, no, absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, you can, you can tell your church leaders, how am I doing? Oh brother, you're doing well, brother. You're, you're a man of God, but, um, uh, close the door, go to ask your wife and your kids and they're going to tell you exactly who you are. Hmm. And that's that's when we that's who we have to listen to. Uh, your first ministry, our first ministry, is always gonna have to be our wives and our kids. Uh, and if if we believe that the church is our first ministry, brother, in the name of Jesus, step away from your church just for a moment because you missed it. Because um, when it's all said and done, uh, what's funny is I've been a pastor in Houston, and I can guarantee it. All the members that I've had, over six hundred something members that I had in Houston, ask me how many of the six hundred ever ever called me back and said hi to me. Hmm. How many? Um, maybe one or two. Yep. Maybe a few of them that were friends of yours. Right, but their lives couldn't go on without you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But but notice who came with me. Your wife and my kid, right? So that's the most important thing is that if you want truth as to where you are, close the door, look at your wife in the face and say, how am I doing? And yeah. she'll tell you exactly. Um, and, and don't shun her. Do not shun her because... Um, well, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm going through. No, no, no. There's the reason why God allowed her to be your spouse. Because she's going to tell you things um, that you don't even know. 
That's why she's a helpmate to us, right? So men of God, let me encourage you. If you're finding yourself in a situation where you're foggy brain, you can't sleep at night, you're, 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 you're uh, turning plates on broomsticks, you are burning out fires, um, but yet there's no joy in your home. Yeah, something, something, something missed. Yeah, and to the preacher's <clears throat> kid, don't be shy about sitting down with your dad That's and right. telling him how you feel. Yes. And here's the risk, and this is why most preacher's kids don't, because they're scared of how their dad is going to react. One, because they've never had that type of conversation, or possibly two, um, they have seen how he's reacted to criticism in the past, and they don't want to feel the wrath of, of an dumb. emotionally yes, right. depleted, you know, anxiety-driven, anger-responding dad. But can I just say, preacher's kid, it's worth it to go sit down with your dad and say, hey, let's just, can I just tell you that you're drained, and this is how I feel, yes. and this is what home feels like because of this. And if your dad loves you, he might not respond well at first, but he will ultimately respond. Yes. Uh, if he's really a man of God and we believe that he is, he he's going to respond well. Don't don't let your dad or don't let your husband continue in emotional burnout mode uh, because that's going to affect everything and it's going to affect your future if you don't stop it now. Yes. You know, your wife, my daughter, uh, she did that one time. The first time I ever took a sabbatical, she, she sat down with me one time and it was not necessarily that, hey, dad, I need to talk to you, sit down. It was a, she blurted it out and said, Dad, you're tired. Look at you. You need to stop. And you, you know how your wife already is. I'm a daughter is, right? <laughs> I can so, hear her so, saying so, it. <laughs> so, so she already got after me, man. But but it it, it brings me, it, it, it brought sense to me. And then here is watching Judy um, tear up because of it. I had to do that. Uh, men of God, listen. Um, there may be some of you today that are listening to this, that, man, you're going through this. Men, um, take this red light seriously. Mm. Take the flashing red light seriously. For the sake of your life, personally, for the sake of your marriage, and for the sake of the kingdom, Yeah, you are, man, you are a better you when you are filled with the Spirit of God. You are a better minister when you are fresh before the Lord. Uh, if Jesus rested, if Jesus rested, what makes us think that we that we have the power above that, right? No, no. Do what Jesus did and rest and take that rest. No, no, no. But they need me. Who needs you? Well, the church, man. Forget the church. I love the church, but that's God's bride. Go take care of yours. Go take care of your bride. Mm -hmm. Let God and and you take care of your family, right? And, because God will take care of His bride. Promise you, He'll take care of His bride greater than you'll take care of your own. So I haven't really thought about emotional energy and emotional depletion. <clears throat> A whole lot. So how do I know if that's where I'm at? Well, I am losing sleep. I lack clarity. Yeah. I'm putting out fires constantly. I'm spinning plates all the time. My home is struggling and I'm a big ball of anxiety. Oh man, man, you can't sleep. Feel nervous. Your heart's always pounding. Uh, you start getting these body aches. Uh, and, and here's, here's what's funny is, and, and, and some of you that listening may, may know exactly what I'm talking about. You get these body aches, you get a headache, and then you start Google searching and you already have a tumor. Yeah. Right. Got cancer. Or, yeah, you yeah, got a yes, tumor. Yes. It, yes. Because everything that you read, you begin to believe it. Mm -hmm. You read WebMD, which is, I believe is from Satan himself. Absolutely. Uh, because if you get a stomach ache, you should have died yesterday. Right. WebMD goes to the extreme. Google will go to extreme if you start Googling your symptoms. 
Um, because what you put, what you read and put in your spiritual life is what's going to come out of it. Yeah. This is why anxiety and stress is so strong and so big because, again, your heart's beating. You feel like you're going to have a heart attack, anxiety attack, panic attack, uh, and then you're good to nobody. Uh, so so if, you're, if you feel this way, men of God, even women of God, listen, you are on the verge of plummeting big time. Yeah. Yeah, I... We could probably diagnose 10 more blinking lights, but if you didn't get hit by one of those, you probably weren't listening, right? And something that's been really helpful for me the last couple years is, um, and you you helped me with this tremendously, if you don't know why something works when it works, you won't know how to fix it when it's broke, Mm. right? If you don't know how you got here, if you don't know the turns that you took and the road that you traveled down, the chances of you inadvertently doing it again are very high. So here's our flashing lights. Yes, this is where I'm at. It's where I'm at. This is where I'm at. But no good sermon is good without the the reason that you got here and then the journey out. And so why are these lights going off? Why are these things blinking? Why am I struggling with this? Why are these warning signs so apparent? And here it is. Um, because you are trying to do everything on your own. Yeah. You are trying to be the Lone Ranger with no Tonto. That's right. <laughs> that, that's right. That's where that's you're right. at. Now, but somebody's listening and they're saying, well, nobody else can do it. I'm the only one. If you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And I planted this church or I'm replanting this church or the bylaws of this church or take us out of the church context. We're in the business world. Well, I'm the boss. Well, I'm the manager. Well, I'm the, or put us in the home world where a mom is listening and she's saying, my husband's busy and I've got this and I've got that. Everybody's got their reasons for why they're doing something alone, but why are we a lone ranger and why is that a bad thing? You know, you know, the, the, the bad thing about it is when we, when we think, well, I'm this, um, take yourself off the pedestal for a moment. You're not who you think you are. If you're a pastor, this is not your church. And you know this. I don't have to preach to you, man of God. I don't have to preach to you at all. Again, 30 years of ministry. I've been 30 years of ministry, 47 if you want to get if you want to get technical, being a pastor's kid. So I've seen 47 years of ministry in my life. Um, from from the nursery <laughs> to the youth group to being a pastor myself. But I've seen how pastors have destroyed themselves by saying Nobody knows how to do it like me. Yes, but at the same time, no one knows how to destroy it like you as well. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because you will destroy yourself, man. You know what I'm saying? You will hurt yourself. Um, it, it, especially those, and again, please please understand, this is not to throw an arrow or, or, or to shoot at you. Especially those that are micromanagers. Yes. If you're a micromanager, oh my goodness, you, you probably have more anxiety you know what I'm saying? Uh, than 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 the regular person because you feel like you've got to do it right. You got to do. And, and a lot of us would say this. Well, we got to do it with excellence. Yeah, but excellence, doing things with excellence doesn't mean that you do it with micromanagement. Right. Doing things with excellence means this. It means that you're going to give God glory. Number one. Number two. You're going to follow God's plan. Number three. You're going to give God glory again. And therefore, you're going to follow God's plan again. I'm all for doing it for Jesus, but I'm not about being a jerk while you're doing That's it. That's right. Don't be a jerk by micromanaging. Well, I'm the only one, and, and you don't know, and God's called me, and I'm the pastor, and God's given me a vision. Yeah, but but there's a, other men of God that, that are there, and other people that have that are there for a purpose, that are there to help you and to lift you up, but you cannot be 
a Lone Ranger. Keeping on with a Lone Ranger men- mentality, um, no, you'll you'll be done in, in, in a couple of years. So Lone Ranger mentality, the Messiah complex, is like the first step on the journey toward emotional depletion. Step number two, because you will continue down that path if you don't stop and turn around, is a lack of two things. And these things are not the same. They're distinct in their purpose. But if you have one, you'll have the other. And that is Sabbathing and sabbatical. Yes. So I learned about Sabbathing because I was forced to. Mm. And so in the church that I planted, we're growing extraordinarily quickly and we're doing all these things. And I had been trapped in the Lone Ranger mentality. And so I knew I had to get out of that. So I started empowering people to do things. And I realized that if I don't force myself to stop, that I was going to have ulcers and gray hair. And it wasn't time for any of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as old as you, so I, I don't have time oh, for the thanks. gray hair yet. You know, um, <laughs> And so I heard Matt Chandler say this, and this was revolutionary for me. He said, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. And if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. And so I had pictured Sabbath mm-hmm. as a pharisaical thing, right? Like, oh, well, that's where we're not allowed to do any work. And what do we do? Just veg on TV. But because I work with my mind, what I found life-giving was mowing the grass, trimming the hedges, hiking, and kayaking. Working out became a Sabbath for me. But then I had friends who were, you know, in the, you know, they're maybe co-vocational pastors Mm. and they're doing really active things. And I'm challenging them, read a book, go put up a hammock somewhere and, and just chill. And so if you're Lone Ranger mentality and you've taken step two, you probably aren't Sabbathing and then you're probably not sabbaticaling. And I remember at one point, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, Sure. Right? But it, hindsight doesn't have to be the only thing that's twenty twenty. I think regular vision could stop us from a lot of the mistakes that we're making. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're listening to this episode is I had come through a season where we had a, we had to fire a guy um, for doing just some highly inappropriate things. And he just kept resurfacing and resurfacing and causing more problems and more problems. And finally, we got this massive wildfire put out. And for me, it was life-giving that it was over. So I went full on into, okay, now that that fire's out, let's cast vision and run forward. And what I didn't realize is my energy, you know, my emotional energy battery was at 10%. Mm. And I just felt this ping of like, I have life now. It was just a little charge and I didn't sabbatical and I didn't really feel it, full on feel it for another year. And I had to trace my steps back to, I had sort of started to Sabbath, but I hadn't taken a sabbatical. Hey, that's all for today's episode, but we'll be back next week with part two of this conversation on Sabbath and sabbatical. In the meantime, would you rate and review the podcast? It helps us reach so many more people, and we're so grateful that you help us in that way. Until next week, this is Dynamic Faith. It's all about life, leadership, and the pursuit of holiness.